Welcome back to the Star Tribune's Talking Preps podcast, special edition. Everything you wanted to know about the Prep Bowl, Jim Paulson, but were afraid to ask. Hey, David. Well, I'll, I'll amend that by saying everything you want to know about the Prep Bowl that we actually know. So <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll give you we'll give you that, and hopefully you cut us a little slack. Fair enough. Uh, we are recording this on Wednesday. Uh, so I'll say happy Thanksgiving, even though by the time you hear this, it'll be Friday morning because that's when it'll go online. But uh, I hope it was a good Thanksgiving and I hope you settled in for some great football, which we will get you started by going through the seven classes of football, nine man to six A. We've got four of those games happening on Friday. We've got the other three happening on Saturday, all on Channel 45 TV, all of them coming from U.S. Bank Stadium. And uh, it's the high point of, of the whole fall. It's all this stuff we've been doing since basically Labor Day weekend. Let's let's rock and roll, man. Yeah, let's, let's settle in. This got to be scintillating. I think so. I think so. Yeah, um, I'm, always, I'm always one to talk high school football. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to this. So, we have done our picks. So, I guess we'll stay true to those. Um, let's start off nine-man. The fertile Beltrami Falcons against the Leroy Ostrander Cardinals. Well, you know, last week I went and picked against an undefeated team, and I regretted it. Fertile Beltrami is undefeated. They've been playing all season long with the memory of a lost teammate who went down uh, in 2020. I think it was an ATV accident. Um, and so they, you know, whenever you're playing with a purpose like that, I, it's hard for me to discount. And I learned my lesson last week uh, about picking against an undefeated team. I mean, there's a reason you're undefeated. You find ways to win games. Um and so with this one, I'm I'm gonna go with Fertile Beltrami. And Leroy Ostrander looks tough. They look very tough. They come out of uh, uh, rugged section one, but I'm I'm leaning towards Fertile Beltrami to finish it off with a goose egg in the losses column. Yeah, I picked Leroy Ostrander. Uh, I went the opposite. I, I I wanted to make a mention in case people think I'm you know losing my marbles. So last week the the. Uh, the version of the story on the semifinal game with, with Leroy Ostrander that appeared online. So I, I guess it took a big haircut for the print product, but if you read online and, and I, there, there are two big guys on offense quarterback, uh, Chase Johnson and fullback Tanner Olson. Those are the guys that make the offense go for, for, uh, the Cardinals. And I was thinking of a, a line in the show, the Sopranos delivered by Robert Loja. Um, when two underlings approach him and he says, ah, Olsen and Johnson. And I always wondered what that line meant in the show. And I looked it up and it was a vaudeville act from the 1930s. And so I made reference to Olsen and Johnson, not to be confused with the vaudeville act. So in case you were reading that from uh, Leroy Ostrander communities and wondering what the hell is this guy talking about? There it is. <laughs> Olsen and Johnson, the vaudeville act. Come on. Who doesn't remember them? goodness gracious they're iconic hey i i you know i like to reach for you know fun things and, and we can if we all can learn a little something that's that's good so we all were educated and and now we've we're educated third, we're moving on. You, when you're as old as we are 30s yeah. like that long ago i wasn't born obviously in the 30s but it's amazing that the 30s is almost a century ago i'm talking about but uh vaudeville was bigger before the 30s wasn't it, it wasn't vaudeville like turn of the century 19 uh, 10 20 that area the the uh the uh, prohibition area the flapper era but all right 
Yeah, if there are if there are no further questions, I'll say yes, yes, that's right, Jim. <laughs> so you got you have Leroy Ostrander. I've got Fertile Bill Trami in that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Class Single A, the Mary Lutheran Crusaders, and the Minnesota Vikings. How many times, by the way, have you typed Minnesota by mistake? Absolutely, many times. It just it just happens naturally, you know. To just no. eliminate that S just doesn't feel right. I know. I, my daughter's name is Michaela. It's like Michael with an A. I'll type the name Michael, and I'll always put an A on the end now. It's like, oops, yep. sorry. No. Anyway. Um, Mineola, Mayor Luther. Mayor Luther's a fun team. I mean, it's a team of 16 seniors. They throw the ball around. They've got some really, really good skill players. Quarterback Ty Hazy, I think, threw for five touchdowns. Tegan Martin is a big 6'6", tight end defensive lineman who's a terrific athlete. There's a lot to like about uh, Mayor Lutheran. The only problem is, is they have to play Minnesota, and there's few programs in the state that have more success at state tournament times than Minnesota athletics. You just look at, uh, at volleyball, you look at basketball, and you look at football, and they've been good in all of them. Um, and Minnesota is a tough, hard-nosed, you know, gritty, scrappy, kind of beat-you-down team. And those seven teams tend to win at this time of year. Um, and so I'm looking, I'm looking at, at uh, Minnesota to win this one, even though uh, Mary Lutheran has gotten here for the first time um, and they played very, very well. And they're a lot better than the teams they have in the past. They're not, not the um, pass only um, team. They've got some uh, physicality to them. I think that this is a mini Oda victory here. And one more thing to point on this one is that this is a rematch of the class one, a girls volleyball state championship game, which Mary Lutheran beat mini Oda this year so uh these two programs these two schools have a little bit of a history with each other you gotta imagine there's some brother and sister combinations that played you know volleyball and then now football you gotta imagine there's there's some households in these two communities that are either don't you lose to them or you better make up for our loss you know one of the two you know well the coach at uh at the mayor luther and dean Oreck had told me that he talked to joel grimsley the uh, girl, the volleyball coach, and she has a son that plays on the football team. So um, there is that kind of uh, kind of connections there, and, and obviously in both schools, I think that there's definitely um, those sorts of connections. So uh, I know that they, there's there's an awful lot going on between Minnesota and Mayor Lutheran, more than just a football game. There's community uh, pride at stake as well. If you would help me, please, the Mayor Lutheran quarterback ties at Hasi, Hazy, Hazy. He had yep. three or five touchdown passes last week, and that's that's incredible. However, Minnesota's defense—they're not going to have that. They're, they're just—it's not going to be that kind of a game. And I mean, they have posted nine shutouts this season for crying out loud. So I, 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 I agreed with you, uh, Mayor Lutheran, or excuse me, I agreed with you. Minnesota defeats Mayor Lutheran in class single A. One one interesting aside in this game from a Mayor Lutheran standpoint. Hazy is the third generation of Hazy's to play quarterback for Mayor Luther. And his father, Jeremy, played for Oric in the late 80s at the position. And his grandfather, Gary, was a Crusaders quarterback in the early 70s uh, before Coach Dean Oric took, uh, took over there. So uh, I thought that's kind of interesting. That's kind of the community aspect you're talking about, particularly for a private school. Uh, Mayor Lutheran is largely kids directly from Mayor in that area. They've got... Uh, uh, a lot of brothers. They've got three sets of twins. It's a, it's more of a community-flavored uh, school than you might think, being a private school. Very good. Class 2A, the Ch we went on from the Minnesota Vikings to the Chatfield Gophers, and then we've got their uh, Chatfield is playing the West Central area Ashby Knights. 
Um, I'll start this one. I I thought West Central area, they were outstanding defensively in the semifinals. I, it was only 8-7 victory, so I got questions about the offense. And it's ironic because there's a lot of questions about Chatfield's retooled offense, which I think you're better suited to unpack than I am. Uh, I, I so I, but I still think that Chatfield pr- uh, perseveres and they win this ch- win this game. Uh, how do you see it? You know, um, West Central area has a kid named Anthony Sakura, who is a running back as a, as a breakaway threat. Threat one of those kids that has the, naturally the moves, the ability to to you know slip a leg through or turn his shoulders and get through a hole and can can not get tackled. He was kind of held in check. Um, in the uh, in the semifinals, but I think that he's a kid that's ready to, to break free. He's an offensive threat for West Central. As far as Chatfield goes, I don't know what to expect. They lost their starting quarterback, Sam Backer, uh, who was a, about a 2,200, 2,300-yard rusher during the season, midway through the uh, second half, or early in the second half of their semifinal win over Barnesville because he had gotten two personal fouls, um, penalties on two uh, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct calls, so it's an automatic ejection. Now, I, I was talking at the time that I thought that that those calls, particularly the second one, was a little hasty. And I think that the not all calls in football are, are equal. Just that's obvious by the penalties and that are imposed when, on each different penalty. I think that second one, when you watch back on film, you can see what the referee was looking at. But I think a referee in that situation needs to be a little bit more um, perceptive, a little bit more perspective and understand what's going on that, that by throwing that flag um, that w- without finding out the specifics of what happened was a little bit hasty and uh, and uh, should have been reserved a little bit more to at least having a chat with the rest of his uh, his officials and telling them what's going on. Um, it forced Chatfield to play the rest of the game without their starting quarterback and number one player. Um, interestingly enough, Chatfield did come back and win behind a uh, a terrific performance by a sophomore quarterback, Parker Delaney, who threw two touchdown passes. Um, and Chatfield's defense um, stood up tall and uh, held down Barnesville, which runs the uh, power T, which is so in vogue these days and very hard to stop. So Chatfield deserved to get there. Um, what type of thing you'll see out of Chatfield this time and how West Central will react is a different story. In, in that game, the... Uh, uh, I'm forgetting who Chatfield beat now. Oh, Barnesville. They said that they were ready for Bacchus's runs. He usually would kind of run like out of a wildcat formation much of the time, uh, but they weren't prepared for a passing offense. Now West Central has had a week to prepare for Chatfield going up top, so you wonder if that's going to really harm the uh, Chatfield offense at all. So, uh, you know, I, I, I because of that, I, I picked West Central area, but I do think if both teams were at full strength, I would look for for Chatfield, but without Backer or without Sam Backus, Sam Backer, I'm sorry. Um, I think that uh, West Central merges on top. Class three A, you know what? I, I can't tell if it's this game or if it's the six A final that intrigued me the most of this entire uh, weekend slate of games. I Dassel Cocado against Plainview Elgin Millville. I, I think that. There's a real collision of two teams, a lot of great athletes, a lot of great speed, a lot of great athletic ability. I, I'm, I'm intrigued about this game as much or possibly even more than the 6A final. And, and uh, I, 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 I'm going with uh, PEM uh, to get the upset of number one Dasa Cocado. I just think that, again, they've got playmakers. 
They also had a precision drive. They were 13 plays, 80 yards for a touchdown and to open the second half. And that that's what winners do. And so I think they do find a way to, to pull the upset. You know, I, I don't blame you at all for picking on Plainview. They've got some team speed on that team that, you know, that can really uh, turn a game around. You can't account for speed. And speed makes up for a lot of things. Um, Dassel's undefeated. They have had a great year. They've got one of the best players in the state, a Mr. Football finalist in Eli Gilman. Um, but Dassel runs a very close-to-the-vest um, offense where they don't take a lot of chances. They don't throw the ball ever, and it's a basically between the tackles kind of, kind of game. They might go off tackle once or twice, and Esco shut them down in the first half. And I, I, I don't think anybody thought Esco was going to be able to do that, and they had Dassel Cato on the ropes leading 14-7, in the second half, in the start of the fourth quarter. Now they leaned on Gilman, who uh, came up with a 44-yard touchdown to tie the game and scored from a yard out with about a minute 26 to go, and Dassel was able to pull it out. Um, I don't think that uh, Dassel is going to have the luxury of being able to uh, sit back and just play it close to the vest against uh, Plainview. I think Plainview is going to be able to uh, break off a few big plays. Dassel is going to have to find a way to get some guys in space and uh, be able to pick up some chunk yardages on their own. So while I, I, I still am leaning Dassel because they haven't lost yet, they're the number one ranked team in the Class 3A, um, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Plainview, Elgin, Millville pull off this upset. Very good. Speaking of upsets, one will be needed in Class 4A. The Cass and Manorville Comets or Comets? Comets. With a capital M, though. So, right, yeah. Mix of a hockey stick and a baseball team, the Comets, um, against Hutchinson. And Hutchinson's is, uh, you know, they're they're the big dogs. They're not in the rank number one. Becker was, and Cass and Manorville beat them. So that, that's a feather in their cap. But I think this is going to be a Herculean task for Cass and Manorville. What do you think? Did you happen to see the uh, C. Hutchinson play when they beat uh, they beat Orono. And congratulations to Orono for getting that far. That was a team that started the uh, regular season one and uh, six. But uh, Hutchinson was just an overwhelming driving force. It was like, you know, watching a steamroller, watching lava just move with moving everything out of its way, and there's almost nothing you can do about it. That offensive line is uh, a precision unit. They're physical. They know where they're going. They open holes, and they just move downfield. No, little chunks at a time, four yards, five yards, six yards, and uh, they just can't be stopped. I, I, The Hutchinson team I saw, I can't imagine that Cass and Manorville is going to be able to hold up to that kind of uh, relentless physicality that Hutchinson brings. Casson might be able to do it if they get a couple of turnovers, get some big plays, build up a lead, and then hold on. But if everything's played straight up without any strange occurrences or, or odd uh, uh, odd plays. I just don't see Hutchinson getting beat here. Yeah, I agree. And I'll step out of these picks for just a second because if you're reading the Star Tribune or if you're looking on uh, mnfootballhub.com on Friday, you're also going to see uh, a nice uh, component piece that Jim created where we put the spotlight on players. We, we had feature coaches, or excuse me, features on coaches both Thursday and Friday. Uh, we wanted to get more player uh, spotlight, and, and Jim put together a nice piece of breaking down each game and a key player or players from each game. And I say players because I, I really liked what you did with Hutchinson. You had their five starting offensive linemen. I thought that was a great way to call out the horses that make it go for them. It's, it's hard to avoid them. I just, 
marveled at watching how they play with such precision, how they come off the ball hard, how everybody is going to the right place, how everybody gets their block. They play, uh, it's about as well uh, offensive line team play as you'll find the way Hutchinson does it. And it's, it's, you know, if you're, even if you're not a fan of offensive line play, watch them play. Watch how they work as a team. Watch this team. That's what execution is on the offensive line, and that's why Hutchinson wins. Class 5A, the Matamidi Zephyrs and the Mankato West Scarlets. That is the going to be the final game Saturday. There's three games Saturday. This will be the conclusion. So this is the last football game of the season right here. Uh, how do you see it? Well, you know, I guess I have to say Mankato West has been the uh, – the big dog in 5A all season long. I mean, they've they've got the uh, undefeated record. They don't give up many points. You know, they they uh, showed what they're uh, capable of doing when they beat uh, St. Thomas Academy in the snow at Prior Lake in the quarterfinals, and then they went out and uh, pretty much handed uh, Rogers its lunch after falling behind seven nothing in the uh, semifinals. And those are both very very good teams. Um, so uh, I I think that Mankato West has just been the best team in 5A all year long, and I don't think it stops now. I agree. I saw – I was fortunate. I, I had them these down the stretch here, and I saw them at Prior Lake in the snow, and I was sitting next to the great Chad Courier, longtime Mankato Free Press sports reporter. He said this is the best Scarlet's team he's ever seen. And and that and that and remember, he covered four state champions. Um, but he, And he said those there's offenses back then that may have been better than the current offense, but it's it's the – balance of the whole team this is the best defense of of any of those teams he's seen and just he feels like they're a team that can beat you any way you want and and again if he's going to call them the best team that he's seen who am i to argue so i'm i'm going with mankato west to to win that one uh, by three touchdowns (laughs) by three touchdowns well that's three that's 21 that's three touchdowns yeah and and you know matamida has done a great job at getting this far but uh, I mean, they had a they had a tough stretch in the middle of the season. They got beat both by Spring Lake Park and St. Thomas Academy. I think it was in back-to-back games. But they played a, a relatively tough schedule, and they've played their best football at this time of year, uh, and that's what you want to be doing. But I uh, just think that straight up, no matter how well Montemedi plays, I just don't think that they've got the horses on both sides of the ball to match with Mankato West. I I, I agree with you 100. percent Yeah. And then that's, so that's the last game of the year, but the big dog is uh, final game on Friday, and that's uh, Maple Grove Crimson against Lakeville South Cougars. Maple Grove making a little history by getting here. Haven't seen that yet. Uh, Lakeville South, last guy here, I think, in 2005 when Larry Thompson was still in charge. Uh, I didn't know him. I saw him around the press box the other night. I, I knew it was him, but I didn't really say anything, so I've never actually uh, done any work, work talking with Larry, but um, – but yeah, they, they'll, they'll these two meet up, and I, I think it's great. I think there's a, a fresh blood aspect to this matchup, and and I'm really excited to see. I think if you played it ten times, it's five each way. I, I really do. What makes you What makes you think that Lakeville South has been undefeated and uh, been ranked number one wire to wire this year? What makes you think that uh, that this game is a toss up? I think Maple Grove has playmakers on offense uh this is you know lombardi just had the player of the year for uh back when he had quarterback um uh, davison and yeah davison and he said Kilzer, his his current guy who's a junior is, is the best quarterback he's had so that 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 says a lot to me uh we all saw what Derek jameson can do great breakaway running back i think he's as effective as a home run threat as carson hansen is for lakeville south 
Uh, and Cameron Dean, the quarterback, uh, you know, kills her. There's a great, you know, those guys uh, will beat you different ways, but they'll beat you. Uh, so you got kind of, you're kind of that a wash there. Uh, I think that both defenses have been solid. Uh, Maple Grove is a little more hype right now because they they had they put they brought two t- uh, fumbles back on Eden Prairie last week and uh, but I think I just think that you know and then I, I wonder you know Maple Grove they had to really uh, find a way to uh, endure the the sloppy start to the game by their offense and the defense held up only allowed a field goal and then the offense got on track Lakeville South meanwhile they benefited because. St. Michael Alberville couldn't hold on to the ball. And so they got off to a fast start. And so I I don't think Maple Grove will start as slow. I don't think Lakeville South will start as fast. And so then we get down to, you know, what where the which way the breaks go. And and I picked Maple Grove, but again, flip the coin on that one. You know, I, I, I see what you're saying. I uh um I have to mention that Lakeville South runs that uh, uh, power T offense we talked about earlier, which is the, you know, Barnesville did and got down to the state tournament. Browerville did, I think, two years ago. And um, we got to the state tournament with a power T. Elk River has made a living on that power T. And it, it's it's so difficult for teams to stop because it's not just about the sleight of hand and the fakes. It's about the quickness and the precision that guys don't have to, offensive linemen have to be in the right places. They don't have to, you know, pancake their defensive linemen. They just have to be there to wall off a guy and, and give them a little um, break, a little seam for them to slip through. And the way they run their fakes and the way they carry those things through, that is so hard for teams to defense. One breakdown in assignments on defense and a guy is 30 yards behind them sprinting into the end zone. So that power T offense that Lakeville South runs is so difficult to defend. Uh, I also know that nobody's really shut him down this year. You know, you look at... Uh, even the teams that played them the closest, that was Shakopee twice. Um, Shakopee even led at halftime the first time they played. Um, it, both games have been, ended up being you know, pretty convincing Lakeville South wins. So I, I just haven't seen Lakeville South in any game this year where they've really faced a strong, tough challenge and they've had to come, come from behind, which could hurt them in this game if that would happen. But while I looked at Maple Grove and looked at, went back to the season and think, Maple Grove was clearly the second best team in Class 6A all year long, and you know when you're doing the rankings and the season's going on, you can go beat week by week. But as a whole, I think this is exactly the matchup we want in Class 6A: the number one team, Lakeville South; the second best team, Maple Grove. I'm still leaning towards uh, Lakeville South until they get beat or until they get challenged. I, I, I'm not going to step away from them, so I still think Lakeville South wins. But I think Maple Grove has a very good chance to pull off an off- upset. Something interesting about the makeup of these teams, Maple or uh, Lakeville South does not have. I was talking to Ben Burke on Tuesday, and they do not have a player in their lineup right now that's more than 250 pounds. Now they're strong, but they're not big. Um, Maple Grove, one of the key plays they had to beat Woodbury uh, in the quarterfinals, I guess that was. They had a guy uh, cover a, I think it was a fake field goal, and. Uh, the guy that did it was a 165-pound linebacker who thinks he's 190 pounds. <laughs> don't, tell, so, don't tell him yet. Yeah, so I, I think that if you're if you're listening to this, you got an aspiring football, young football player in the house that's not the biggest person in the world, there's still a way you can make a hell of a contribution, and you're seeing that in these two teams. They, they may not, you know, neither one of them may not wow you stepping off the bus, but they are the two best teams in Class 6A, and, and to your point, I, I'm 
I think we have the right matchup here, and I look very forward to seeing how it plays out. You know, when you talk about that, coaches will always talk about how these kids got after it in the weight room, you know, and as writers, we hear weight room this, weight room that, and you kind of roll your eyes because you think, okay, the weight room, everybody does it. What's so different about this? But the teams that really commit themselves to those workouts, to those strength and conditioning workouts, do end up having good seasons. They end up being improved. They end up being far more competent teams. Everybody does it. The level to which teams commit to playing, to working out and getting, getting prepared in the offseason does really play into how teams um, perform in the uh, during the season. I think both these teams had uh, a great commitment to that going to the season. I know Matt Labardi has talked about that. Um, they Maple Grove had one little hiccup. They got beat by uh, uh, Centennial out of Centennial. Centennial was a hard-nosed, tough uh, team, though. I think punched them in the mouth and woke them up, and they realized that they couldn't just be a finesse team. They had to go out and play some physical football. And I know that that has really, really paid into Maple Grove's success in the second half of the season. And, you know, Lakeville South, they don't play a bunch of easy teams. They're not, you know, just cruising through the season. They they, they get some uh, some of the, the big fellas, and they went out and they've beaten them all. They've taken care of uh, all comers. So uh, this should be a game worth watching. If you're Friday night, you're looking for some uh, some football, there are a lot worse places to be than Channel 45 to watch that Class 6A final. Yeah, I agree. Get the turkey sandwiches going and uh, settle in and enjoy a wonderful – it's going to be a great cap to the day. You know, nobody plays it with more passion than the high school kids, and that that right there makes for great watching because you know everything's on the line for these kids, and it's, 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 it's great. For so many of them, it's the biggest moment of their lives. You know, I mean, you might be a Vikings fan, you might be a Gophers fan, and, and, and the other team's worth uh, supporting because they're local, but – High school football is just so fantastic because for these kids, this is the pinnacle of what so many of them are going to do. Go and watch them, support them, cheer them. It's uh, it's it's deserved. These are the kids in your community, um, the kids that are going to be you know, the businessmen and the coaches and the teachers um, later on, and then there'll be another group. So it, I, absolutely, that's the high school football. There's nothing more worthwhile in my mind. I can't think of a better way to end it. So thank you for being here, folks. And Jim, thank you for everything all year long. Uh, nobody knows football better. With the po- I try to do my best to keep up, but <laughs> so I talk a lot. <laughs> I will admit I talk a lot. Yeah, thank you for another episode of Talking Paulson. I mean preps, and <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll talk to you next week, and we'll have uh, our thoughts on what we saw at the prep bowl. Thanks a lot.